What's up, everybody? It's Sathya Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. And today, I have one of the most unique interviews I've ever done in my life. And I'm not just talking about while I've had this podcast, I used to be an interviewer for another podcast. And in some of my other ministry endeavors, I I did my decent, I did a decent amount of interviewing. And this was one for the books. I interviewed Samuel Abraham Perez, and he is a Christian influencer. I think that'd be the best term. He's quite popular on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. And he basically has a story of being a gay stripper. Yes, a gay stripper. You heard me right. And he has come out of that lifestyle. He has committed his life to Jesus and he is working out his sanctification. And it's really amazing because he loves God. He's really um, big on like Bible-based teachings and yet he is still like has some things to work through. And um, this was one of the most transparent and authentic interviews I've ever heard. Not to say that other guests haven't been transparent and authentic, but sometimes you get transparency with a, a degree of polish and you can tell that's really not his heart. He's just trying to get his story out because the reality is there are lots of people out there who love the Lord, but also struggle with same-sex same sex attraction and are not always sure how to reconcile those two things. So if that's you, I really had you in mind when I did this interview. I was trying to ask questions with that lens. And I personally have not struggled with SSA, but we've had a number of clients who have, and I've heard their questions. I've listened to some of their pain points over the years. So I just made notes of all those things and I tried to ask them, uh, sorry, I tried to ask Samuel those questions as best as I could. So um, it's not a perfect interview by any means. I'm always learning and growing, but honestly, I learned so much. And I think whether you have SSA, a same-sex attraction, or maybe you yourself don't identify with it, but you just want to learn more about it and try to understand it better and maybe be a support to someone else, this is going to be a fantastic interview for you. I, it's one of the, I'm very, very proud of it. And, um, and I think you're, you're just going to be blessed by it. So um, I won't say too much else, but I, the other thing I just wanted to mention is you know, we have guests on here who don't, wouldn't agree with each other. Like I, as Samuel was giving some of his answers, I was thinking of some of the other people I've had who I'm like, oh my gosh, so-and-so would have such a strong response to this and, and sees things totally different. And I, I want to be clear that, you know, we don't always necessarily endorse or agree everything that our guests say and everything that they stand for. That's not necessarily the goal is for us to make statements about, okay, this is right and this was wrong. I think part of maturity in our faith and certainly maturity as men is being able to have capacity for two differing opinions that are in tension with one another or sometimes two different people in our lives that disagree with each other. And so I, I, found, I found that I was working that through in this interview where I was thinking, huh, I, I don't know what I think about this because it's kind of uncharted waters and I'm still figuring this out, but it's an interesting perspective he has on certain things. And there's other things where I'm like, this is so good. And this guy is just chock full of wisdom. And, uh, you know, like it gets a 100% yes in my heart. And all that is to say is just listen, um, listen attentively, be objective, have a, a hat of empathy and, and a, a teachable hat on as well so that you can learn along the way. And I hope this is going to help you grow and become the man God made you to be. Without further ado, guys, this is my interview with Samuel Perez. So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives and a God-given purpose, supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within.
I'm here with Samuel Perez. And uh, dude, I've been following you a little bit for a while on Insta. You got some really cool stuff on YouTube. And you have a message that my audience needs to hear. I need to hear. I have a notepad here. Like I'm just ready to be a learner. So welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I'm really Yeah, this, this is going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. So um, we, ha we have to start with your story because you are just wildly passionate about, you know, discipling people, bringing biblical understanding to scriptures and lifestyle and all that kind of stuff. But I guess what's unique is that you were in a gay lifestyle. You're the second person we've had on the podcast who used to be a stripper. And I think you know the other guy. His name is Rob Kowalski. Yes. <laughs> you know you know Rob? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have a so, podcast with him. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I thought I saw that. So just a really unique background. And I think especially in the arena of SSA, that's very unique and kind of new territory for us in our podcast. A lot of the guys I've worked with over the years have had SSA. So I, anyways, I'm just super excited to bring you on. I know we need to get into the subject and I'm wondering if we can start with your story, Samuel. Can you just lay it out for us a little bit? Uh, tell us some of your testimony. Yeah, for sure. So I usually start off where I live. So I grew up in Miami, Florida. Um, my wow. parents, they're from Cuba. So they, um, like I'm a first generation American. I think that's what they call it. Right. <laughs> like 50% like of Miami, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone here, it's a melting pot and it's great. I love it. I love my city so much now, but I, I didn't like it when I was growing up. Every, I felt like I was so different from everyone who lived in Miami. Like it was, it's a very macho culture. And there's a lot of that even in, in my family, I was like raised Christian. And so I grew up in, um, a little small Baptist church. Um, it was kind of crazy because when I was in that Baptist church, the pastor at the time, I think I was like four or three years old, he had been caught sexual, like doing sexual relations with uh, a man. And it was actually a 17 year old boy. So he was a minor. Wow. And um, when I was younger, it was like a huge scandal. It was all over the news. Like, and we were such a small church. And um, it really impacted me because that was my first introduction to like homosexuality or any type of same-sex attraction It was like the pastor had done something wrong and it broken up the entire church and You know, there was so much discipleship that was taking place there and you know Just families their family was broken like he had kids and all this stuff and so um, It really impacted me like I, I just remember watching it on the news and thinking to myself like what's happening? Like what why is our pastor like on TV and this and that and so uh, as I got a little bit older, I started to discover that like I was not like the other like boys <laughs> at all. Mm. I liked to play with Barbies and I liked long hair and I liked all of my <laughs> sister's dresses and things. And I, I was like, I don't like G.I. Joe. I don't like trains <laughs> and stuff <laughs> like that, like boy stuff. And I had yeah. a brother and a sister at the time, both older than me. I'm the youngest. And so um, I, I didn't like... I didn't know how to fit in in school. I didn't know how to fit in um, in my own family, and and going to school was really tough because then I started got I started becoming uh, getting bullied, and people used to make fun of me for like the way that I would stand, and they would make fun of me for um, uh, how I would move my hands, and and I didn't I didn't think much of it of myself. Like I I didn't think that I was gay. I I just thought like I'm Sam. You know, like this these are the things that I like and. But everyone around me would just be telling me like, oh, you're gay. Like you're, you're like, you're a homosexual. <laughs> and like, um, and I'd wow. be like, I don't even know what that is. Cause I was, I was raised like so sheltered, like 
we 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 couldn't even like barely watch Barney like Barney like it was like almost borderline <laughs> Pentecostal with Baptist. My dad's like really Pentecostal. My mom's like um, kind of Baptist, and so okay. yeah, we couldn't watch we couldn't watch watch Barney. We couldn't watch uh, like uh, Simpsons. None of those stuff. And so I didn't know what gay or any of those things meant. Like I just I just knew things about God. And wow, um, so like you hadn't even heard the word before. You mean? Uh, no, I, I I like I I just know I knew that it was wrong because they had like the only time that I heard of it was in church when it was like saying like oh you know homosexuals are gonna go to hell or like things like that you know like very religion sure. like, stuff and so um, that's all I knew I was like I'm, I I didn't know that boys could like other boys and like that was like a thing and um, hmm. and then I, it started to happen to me like I started to become curious um, with other boys and. Um, I don't know why it happened. Like I remember just being at in my uh, local church and finding like the, the the pastor's son at the time was super handsome, and I had like kind of like a big crush on the pastor's son. But I had a, like a big crush on pretty much everyone. Like I also had crushes on girls and stuff. And so I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what was going on there. <laughs> and, How old were you at the time, by the way? Um, when I first started to like realize that I liked men, I was in middle school, but like as a kid, I always just had like random crushes on boys or girls and it was, it wasn't sexual until I got to like middle school In middle school. Um, I I think I was 13, 14. I don't, I don't know the age, um, in eighth grade. That's when I finally got a best friend and it was a boy. I had never had friends that were boys before. Um, just always girls and the girls, uh, it was, they were just easier for me to relate to. They were easier for me to, um, like talk to about all the things that I liked, you know, the long hair and the beauty and the makeup and all those things. And boys, they just seemed like a whole nother world away from me. Like they, I cannot relate to them at all. And it's so funny even just talking about this now. Because in Christ, I've changed so much as a person that it feels like it's not even my life anymore. <laughs> like, I'm yeah, like, yeah, t- yeah, like you're talking about another person. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's so, it's like I read a book or something. Now I have to like describe someone's book because <laughs> it doesn't feel like me anymore. Um, I'm, it's so different. Uh, so it's been a while since I told my testimony too. But um, I started like hanging out with these boys and, um, and like no one, like these boys, I couldn't relate to them. So they would never want to be my friends in school and a- anywhere. And I also grew up in a very predominantly, like, ghetto neighborhood. So it was, like, the ghetto, (laughs) very poor, low income, and uh, lots of guns and drugs. And so that kind of Yeah, like, the the ghetto of Miami is for real. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They had to change our city name. Like, our city used to be called um, Carroll City, and then they changed it to Miami Gardens because Carroll City had such a, uh, like bad rep that they're like we got to change the name of this like town <laughs> and so um yeah i just didn't have a lot of friends that were boys growing up and then i finally got a friend in middle school and um he was like the first guy to like ever just show me like kindness and like I, I, he didn't care like what i like to listen to or the things that i like to talk about and he was very kind to me and then that kind of just like sparked something in me like i was like oh my gosh like I really want to hang out with this dude all the time. Like that was around the time that I got my first cell phone. And so I was like texting him and like every time I would get a text message from him, I would get like this crazy feeling of just like excitement, like inside of me. Like I would just like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Like he texted me, he texted me. And I I would like pick up my phone and like respond as soon as possible. Like so desperate and and (laughs) looking back and, um, and yeah, and then he would just like, um, we just developed this friendship 
But then one one day, like I could tell that I was starting to develop a crush, and I had just all this weird feelings because I was into like Christianity, like been raised into that. But I I don't like, and I had a very tight relationship with the Lord. Um, when I was younger, I used to sing to God. I used to sing like um, Spanish songs and worship songs, and I loved to sing. And I wanted to use that. Like growing up, I w- I was always like telling people around me like I'm gonna be a famous singer. I'm gonna be a famous singer. And it's kind of funny, like, where I ended up now. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, like, it, I love to just sing to and worship the Lord, specifically worship. I always felt His presence. So I felt like I knew Him, but it was very difficult, especially when I n- didn't feel, like, worthy of anyone's love. And that was a constant, like, theme in my life. Like, constant theme with my dad, constant theme with my friends, um, constant themes with men around me. I just didn't feel like I was worthy because I was different and I was, and no one else was like me. I, I definitely knew the Lord and I had a good relationship with God, um, but I didn't know what to make of it. And so during this time, I had a lot of guilt and a lot of shame that I was experiencing these feelings with my friend um, in middle school. And, um, and I was like, do I have a crush on this person? Like, I know I can't be gay. Like, this is, this is like a bad thing. Like, you, you can't, like like other men in the Bible, like you're gonna go to hell. And that's all I knew. Like all I knew about the Bible was that like, okay, like good people, they go to heaven and like bad people, they go to hell. And so um, I ended up not caring. I had like a lesbian friend at the time and she was like, I'll come out to my parents if you come out to your parents. And I was like, okay, this was like the scariest moment of my life because my parents were so like conservative and and religious. So it was just kind of like word vomit. I got home and I just told them like, hey, I like I think I like men and I think I have a crush on my best friend and um, they're like okay well I told my mom first and my mom was like okay well you basically have two options like you can either um, live for Jesus and go to heaven or you you know you can do whatever you want and then at the end of it you know you're gonna go to hell <laughs> and that, that was like that was it and she's like I love Whoa. you <laughs> yeah she was like I love you she's like I, if it were up to me I wouldn't care like uh, about what you do with your sexuality um, but you know, it's God's word and this and that. And I was like, okay, well, I don't want to go to hell. And so I was like, let me just do whatever my mom wants me to do. And so, um, she ended up sending me to, uh, an ex gay, like, uh, they call it conversion retreat, which was, um, Exodus at the time. And it was like, I don't know. I feel like Exodus gets such a bad rep. Maybe, maybe I didn't experience it enough, but when I went and I went to the, uh, retreat and I think it was like West Virginia at the time it was one of their last ones it was pretty normal I, I just saw a lot of people who were like wanting community and like wanting to like have fellowship and I didn't yeah. see anything extremely wrong and I was like a young kid so I would have noticed like things like right away and um, I just saw a lot of really like desperate people for like who wanted to see change in their lives it wasn't super yeah. like godly centered like I wouldn't say that it was like all about Jesus and all about the spirit like um I think they weren't like super uh charismatic or, or any of that um sure but I, I felt good vibes like I I, I didn't want to I didn't even want to be there like I was forced by my parents to go like basically like it was like an ultimatum and uh for like my summer I think it was like a week uh, my, my dad went with me and um but it was I, I think it was fine I have like a whole podcast about it on my podcast about my time with Exodus and meeting some of those folks cool. and people but yeah. um, it did just, I just I was like okay well this is nice but I'm just like not gonna do any of like what they're saying <laughs> like I'm just not interested like I want to live my my gay life 
and um, it, it had gotten me so much work to come out of the closet. Like I was like, I'm not gonna put myself back in the closet. Are you kidding me? Like I'm not interested in that. So much work. Right. Um, so uh, ended up uh, with my best friend at the time in middle school. He ended up like confessing that he liked have he had feelings for me, but ended up not having feelings for me. And he took it back, and then he pretended like none of it ever happened. And then it was just kind of like. I don't know. Sometimes I just look back and I feel like the enemy just used all of it because like there was no happy ending. Like we didn't get into a relationship. We actually like broke off our friendship and it was like a mess and I was completely wow. heartbroken and devastated. And then also that took its emotional toll on me. And um, and then, yeah, and then I got to like a, a, a college. <laughs> I went to a university for studying acting. It was like a conservative um conservatory school so it's been a lot of years there and I thought oh my gosh I go to this acting school there's gonna be like so many gay guys like I'm finally gonna find my people because like everywhere that I would go like I would never find like gay people like I was always like the only one like everywhere it was sure. it was so weird because I guess it's like Miami culture like no one was ever out about it like I was like one of the first people out in my entire school like out of the closet like I was the huh. only gay guy like there's like times have changed so sometimes like I feel like I have to say this because other people, uh, they might not understand what it was like back then, but it was like being gay was like a really, really big deal. And like you were ostracized, you were removed from friends, you like everyone basically hated you. Like it is not loved like how it is today. That was like years ago in 2008. That was like when Lady Gaga wow. first came out. Remember she, everything, all those things that she was doing? <laughs> People were yeah. like, meat dress, like, what? Like, if anyone were to do that today, everyone would just be like, okay, like, so that's right, how it was no back then. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, huh. it was a really big deal back then, but not now. So um, I, I started going to my college, and I was a virgin at the time, and I had problems with pornography as well. Like, I had gotten, like, really young um, into pornography. I, it was in middle school when I started finding these feelings out um, with my friend, and um it just started very simple. It was like started with like ah, ha, ha, naked men or something like on Google and like or like sure. men in their underwear or something like that. And then it got me into these um like um porno sites and um started seeing these explicit images that just like totally ruined my like innocence as as a young yeah. adult uh, or as a teenager. Um, and so going to high school, I'd never done anything with anyone. And I ended up losing my virginity um, with another man um, it, it, when I was like 18 years old. That was the first time it ever happened. That was the first time I'd ever done anything with any guy um, besides some other like thing. <laughs> and um, sure. that didn't work out really that well either. He ended up like leaving me after two days. And what I found out real quick that like gay culture and um, at least the one that I experienced, can't speak for everyone, was all about like sex. It was all about like lust. It was all about I'm gonna get what I want and what's beneficial to me. And that's, I guess, in heterosexual culture now, but like women are different than men. And so women, they they tend to like, like uh, prune themselves. I think that's what it's called. Like they just have more like, um, I forget what the word is. That's <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, it's like they, they, they tend to stop the guys. But then imagine like if you put two guys together there is no stopping that blockage. Like, it's just like sex. Interesting. All it's pure drive. Time. Yeah. It's pure drive. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's two men, you know, like men are crazy. So it's like women, they balance out that man. Um, it's, it's too much. So I learned that real quick because I thought that gay culture was going to be like, um, 
Sex and the City, like where it was like she had the gay best friend, and like he also found another guy to get married, and it was a happy ending, and like it was like oh, that's what I would see on TV, and I was like, no, honey, no, that is not what gay culture is like. <laughs> it's like heartbreak and sex and drugs and this and that. It's just like darkness, and unless you're like closeted or you you come from a conservative background and stuff like that. But um, I did a movie to New York. When I got to New York, um, I, be, I was a personal trainer after my time in college, and um, I didn't know anyone in New York, so I got introduced to a drag queen. I was huge in the queer community. I loved queerness. I loved like expressing yourself and being different. Um, and so, as you can tell, <laughs> and still do. <laughs> and, in case, and in case people are listening to audio, he's just pointing out. Well, I mean, maybe you can describe. You got you got like some stickers on your face or something, right? Is that what it is? Or is it paint? Yeah, I have a, I have stickers. So I have like these bedazzled stickers, yeah. stickers and their hearts on my face. <laughs> and I got yeah. like a pink hat on. Um, very flamboyant. And so um, <laughs> I got to I got to New York and I, I had a drag queen as a, um, as a as a client for personal training. And she was like, oh, if you really want to meet someone, you know, you should you should strip. That's a great opportunity to like meet people in the club and the queer community. And I was like, yeah, I'm an entertainer. I'll do anything once, you know. <laughs> like, and so I ended up doing it and I liked it. I liked um, the experience and I got to meet so many new people like bartenders and, you know, had to, got to make friends because moved up there all by myself. It was like a whole thing. And <laughs> okay. so I uh, started doing that, changed my name and so I had a stripper name and um, started what just, was your stripper name, if you don't mind me asking? Was it, I can't say it because I don't want people to find oh, okay. like. So. Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah, no worries. No worries. No, totally it's, it's totally cool. Like, I always tell people, like, I'll say that I did it, but like, I don't want people like because there's like naked photos and stuff. I'm sure still out there and stuff, and I'm not right. ashamed of that. Like, that's old Sam, and and that's not a problem for me. But I, I just don't want anyone to fall into temptation thinking about those. Types no, of man. Things. That's no, that's fine. That's fine. That, I I was curious, but that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. No it was a funny name, though. <laughs> it was a funny name. I like constructed it funny and um so i started dancing and meeting people um but i don't know i just i couldn't find happiness i struggled with depression a lot um that was something that happened to me in middle school i think it was also like the pornography thing like the the constant dopamine release like just always depression i would cry like almost every day like every day and then the rejection that i would face from men the rejection that i would face in my dating life my family life like everything was just a mess and then I started stripping and that like was fun for a little while but then it, I just felt so uh dehumanized like I felt like a piece of me like I felt like the only thing that I had to offer to people was my body and um and that's the only thing that people were interested in was like beauty like oh this person's beautiful and that's very much I in my experience gay culture is like all that they care about is if someone has ripped abs or if they have a big butt or if they have a really pretty face like it's just so superficial and mm -hmm. i thought that that might change when i got to new york and it did a little bit people there are more uh they're more purpose driven with careers and stuff like that um but it was still at its root just like you're pretty everybody wants you you know and that stuff so i was like i don't know if i want to strip anymore I, I and I needed an excuse to get out of NYC. I was there for eight months living in Brooklyn on my own And so I applied for a job on a cruise ship and I was like, maybe this will make me really happy and the whole time like with God I was like not experiencing um, 
like I just I couldn't find a way to like have a relationship with God and still be doing all these things because I was like all I know is that it's wrong and like I don't want to be a hypocrite and so I would go to church but like I wouldn't want anyone to tell me about like my personal life like I wouldn't want anyone to speak about gay things like I was like if you don't go through it just don't talk about it and um so that was the most I was doing with God and then I would just like pray like if it was a really dangerous like hookup <laughs> like um because I used to have grinder and I used to like visit men like the middle of the night it was like so dangerous and I was be like God like please protect me like I just like I just want like a man to date and I was a pretty good kid like I like compared to like other gay guys like a lot of people think like they hear my story they're like oh you were a whore like you were like a slut and I was like, um, not really. Like, I, my whole main goal was always to find love and to find, like, my Prince Charming. But huh. one thing led to another thing led to another thing that I would just be giving myself out freely because I thought that was the only way to get someone to love me. And so right. I ended up leaving New York. It was so toxic for me. It was, like, not a good place to be if you're broke as well. And <laughs> going to <laughs> going to Australia, I got a job on a cruise ship and I was working on Roy. Well, actually... I got a job on a cruise ship. I can't say the name of the cruise ship. And I was working in Australia. And um, and it was great. It was fun. Like, I was hoping that this job would, like, take my mind off of everything that was going on in my life. Um, but my contract was six months. And then I ended up, like, only doing two months because my team was super toxic. And there was no other gay guys on the ship. And if there were any gay guys on the ship, it, they were taken. And so... I was, like, not having any sex after being, like, super exposed to sex, like, almost every week, multiple times a week, uh, like, stuck on this boat. I felt like I was going crazy. <laughs> and, and yeah, right. the work environment was just really toxic, but had fun traveling and stuff, and I was just so dead inside. Like, I look back, and I'm, like, laughing now, but, like, I was so, like, dead inside. Like, nothing could make me happy, and I was like, what's wrong with me? Like, I don't understand, like, what's going on with me. So I uh, ended up moving back in with my parents um, after I finished the contract, didn't want to go back to New York. And I felt like a failure. I really what did. What your parents make of all this, by the way? Are they like, <laughs> are they, do, they, do they have any idea of the extent of it? Like, are they ashamed, but you know, you're their kid, so of course they're going to help you? Or are things reconciled and they're good and they've accepted it? I'm just curious, like, what was it like to move back to your parents' place? They were super supportive as much as they could have been as Christian parents. Um, they stuck on the truth, you know, like they're like, we don't want this for you. We don't want this life for you. Um, but there's nothing they could do. You know, it's either like I, I gave them that ultimatum, like either love me and help me with all these efforts or like you're not going to have a son anymore. You know, I'm that kind of dude. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, because I thought I was doing I thought I was doing the right thing. And so um, I just. When I moved back in with them, they they were cool. They loved having me back, especially my mom. She was like, I can, like, protect him again. <laughs> and, like, um, oh. <laughs> I was 22 years old when I moved back in. Yeah, 22. I spent my 21st in, my, in New York, um, like, when I was living there. And so, yeah, I just felt like a failure, honestly. And I, I just had all this depression just pile up. And I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, who am I? Like... This is not what I planned. Like, my life is going to look like. I, I thought I was going to be, like, a famous singer and I was going to achieve all these things. And I I don't know. I'm like, my life is just destroyed. And um, and at that moment, I just felt like, uh, since I struggled with depression so much, um, one of the things I struggled with was suicidal thoughts. And at that moment, I felt like the enemy just wanted to take its opportunity to, like, really take me out. 
because I knew that like I was destined for greatness. I just didn't know like when and how. <laughs> and yeah. I just, I felt it like since I was a little kid, like I was like, I'm going to do something that's going to change the world. I just didn't know what it was going to be. And, wow. um, and, and the enemy, I'm sure knew this too. He saw the potential that I had. He saw my good heart. He saw how much I loved people. And he's like, we got to take this one out before like Jesus does anything with this one. Like I would, I was either like, I got prophesied one time, like by uh, this guy in church. He said, like, you're either going to be an amazing tool, like, for God, or you're going to be, like, the most destructive tool for Satan. Like, like in terms of, like, wow. you're going to help his kingdom. Like, it's it's not going to it's it's not gonna be the middle. Like, you're either going to do horrible, evil things, or you're going to do, like, great, beautiful, fantastic things. And then when he saw me and I gave him my testimony, he's like, I'm so glad that the light won in your life. And I was like, yeah, yeah. me too. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, so um, Satan's opportunity, he wanted to snatch me up. He wanted to just like kill me at that moment. And I was going to commit suicide the very next day after having like a depressive episode. I was like, I just don't feel like I want to live anymore. Like I don't, I don't see the fascination of it at all. Like it's not giving what it was supposed to give. <laughs> and so <Yeah. laughs> I like, um, I, I remember one thing and uh, I had a Spotify playlist like a Christian playlist that I had. And um, I was like, you know what? I really loved worship as a kid. Like, let me just like listen to some songs and see if something happens. And I reach out to God and say, God, you know, um, I, if you're real, I need you to prove to me that you're real because tomorrow I'm gonna like kill myself. I'm gonna like uh, commit suicide. And, um, and, and if you don't show up, like that's it. It's gonna be the end of my life. So if you wanna do something with my life and just show up and I'll give you my life cause I'm done, I'm finished. And, mm -hmm. um, I just put on that worship playlist from Spotify. So holler to Spotify. Shout out to Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> and saved my life. And uh, the next morning I woke up and I felt like all the depression had been lifted off of me. I felt like happiness. I wow. felt like it was just crazy. I felt like someone had shot me with like steroids. Can't even begin to describe. Like it was such a supernatural thing. And, um, <laughs> and then I just got up and I said, Lord, I want to dedicate my life to you. I feel like this is a sign from you. And I don't have anywhere else to go. I don't have anything else. You know, it's just like Peter, like when Peter said to like Jesus, like, he's like, Jesus, like, are you going to leave me too, Peter? And Peter's like, where would I go? Like, you're the only ones with eternal, like living, you know, words of eternal life. And, um, and that's how it felt to me. I'm like, I've got nowhere else to go. Like my cup is empty. So you can have it. You can have my cup and, uh, dedicated my life there. It was like a three month process of understanding what that would look like. I started just doing yeah. basic stuff, reading my Bible, going to church, um, fellowshipping with other Christians and then my life after three months I would say I was I got born again like um in like a conference I was thinking about it the other day I was like when was I born again like it was like a <laughs> like a conference for my church and I felt like that's the day that I really put my foot down on my life and I was like okay it's wow time to change and here I am wow. today with a, an awesome online ministry <laughs> and doing Come on, man. I guess that's wild yeah doing I guess what nobody else wants to do so <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Yeah, this is like very much uncharted territory, what you're doing and what you're talking about and just your story in general. Just for clarification, how old were you when you got born again? 22. And how old are you now? 26. <laughs> 26, yeah. So just, so just a few years back. Man, thank you for sharing that story and, and just sharing it in that kind of depth because I think people need to hear it, you know, because the reality is your story is not actually that unique i would say like the stripping and that part may be a little bit more unique <laughs> but you know there's tons of christian men who are growing up with ssa and 
maybe some confusion or maybe they embrace it at a young age or whatever. But then the messages they're hearing from the pulpit are like homosexuals are going to hell. And it, it's a very it's a very polarizing subject. And there's there's not much left for them to conclude other than like there must be something terribly wrong with me. And I guess I just need to fix it or cover it up so that I can somehow squeak my way into heaven. And that is it's amazing just to see, I think, what God did in your life. I, I want to ask I have tons of questions about I think. Because you, you're really great at like biblical interpretation, you have a huge value for that, and you've got your degree in biblical inter- uh, biblical studies, biblical literature, biblical literature. Yeah, I didn't get biblical my degree, but I almost finished, so only a year. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay, got it. But you, but but I guess to say is like you you at least have an interest there, and yes. uh, I want to get into all that. But I'm wondering if you can talk about what were those three months like from you have this encounter with Jesus that basically stops you from taking your life by suicide, and and then a three month process where you reach the point of like. Okay, I'm born again. My life is fully yours. What happened in those three months? Well, I think stopping those habits, like I still had grinder and I still had like, I was still having sex and stuff. So stopping that was difficult for me. And I had like gay group chats with like my gay friends. Like my whole life was gay. Like it was my entire identity. And mm. letting go of that would have mean to be letting go of my entire life, you know? All yeah. of my friends, everything, like everything I ever knew. And um, that's what people don't understand is that um, it's, it's people are like, oh, yeah, you know, we're all born again. Like we all had a change in our lives and the things like that. But a lot of people don't understand is, is that when you have same sex attraction or when you grow up gay, like you kind of have to like put yourself in like a bubble because that's the only bubble that's going to like protect you and like you, you're going to be safe there. You know, it's unlike all the other sins because it like it's um, it like separates you from the world. And you and that's why we have like the gayborhood and we have like the gay clubs and we have the gay friends and we have like everything is like gay before that. So it's it's a complete separation and everyone lives their lives in that little bubble. So it's not like the other sins, like being a thief or being this or being that. Like maybe I think the most comparable thing to be would be like a gang member or something like you're basically like in a gang and so like for you to like get out of that gang is like so hard like it's very hard it's your whole life and so huh. um yeah i i just did like a little of the the things of going to church and praying and and just asking the lord to help me if he wanted me to do this and he just started convicting my heart because I was like, I don't know, God, if like you think that being gay is wrong or if like this has been made by man and like what if your word is not really true and you know, what if it was in like translated wrong we hear all the time and um, I was like, I want to know from you if like this is what you want from my life because if it's not what you want, then like I'm not going to do it just for the sake of religion, you know, what other people have told me. Um, I said, God, I need you to tell me that this is not something you want from my life. And I was in the act of having sex with another man when the Lord told me, I don't want you to have sex with men anymore. And he convicted my heart, like in the middle of the act. And I was like, okay. And then he helped me. He, he actually helped me. Like I, mm-hmm. I deleted Grindr. I deleted like a bunch of my gay contacts. I got a Facebook like filled with gay guys <laughs> and deleted all that. Just like I got all of my DVDs in my room that were like, um, just regular DVDs and stuff, just secular stuff. And I was like, I need to throw this away and just anything that didn't reflect God. And he, it was his spirit just guiding me and moving through me. And like, I was away from pornography for almost eight months. And then I had like a slip up, but then like all that time, like no sex, no pornography, like it was a miracle. Like just like 
Yeah, that's dramatic. Yeah, just like instantaneous. Like it was just him, and um, and yeah, and then later on he took off the uh, training wheels, and then he's like, "You're gonna, you're gonna have to fight for this too." So, mm, wow. So, it's been a couple of years now. You are like a devout Christian. <laughs> you have this history of being in a gay lifestyle and even like earning a living from your gay lifestyle and now you've abandoned all of that i know that for so for me personally like i haven't dealt with ssa and it's one of the reasons i want to bring you in is because i think it's important for people to hear other stories of people who have dealt with it and have been able to i guess make it make it through if i can put it that way or at least reach a a resolution in their faith does do you think if if you lived in a homosexual lifestyle for the rest of your life that um, that you could still be as devout to your Christianity? I, I, I think you've already answered that question, but I guess I'm just curious, why, why did you have to give all that stuff up uh, once you gave your life to Jesus? I think my, my story is a little bit unique than I think most people because not, not everyone is going to do what I'm doing. And um, some people, yes. are, they're just going to like, live a very like normal christian life like my, my life is not a normal christian life like i've impacted the world with my testimony and i have like so many disciples and so much going on this is just the beginning of my life hopefully if the lord continues to let me live um and continue to work for him but um in order to do extreme things you also have to do extreme things and so i yeah. i had to cut off everyone go through a season of like really relinquishing surrendering and um that's not i don't think that's everyone's like experience like some people they have an encounter with the lord they were in that lifestyle and then they never talk about it like ever again you know and it's like or they just continue to see their gay friends and you know continue to be an amazing christian and show them love and you know like there's not it's so different for every single circumstance um, but I do believe that wherever you're at, whether you were in that lifestyle for 15 years or 40 years or 60 years, that the supernatural work that happens in us, which is this born again thing that recurs, we get that regenerated soul and we lose our depravity. Um, when that starts to happen inside of us, um, it changes everything. Like you become a new mm. person. And so that doesn't matter if you were in it for 15 or 60 years or five, like me. Um, I think it was more than that. <clears throat> it, it's going to happen. Like there's going to be a change that's going to take place within you. How that change happens is different for every individual. Yeah, that's, that's a really good answer. And it makes a lot of sense. I wonder if some people might hear that and say, but Samuel, you wear bedazzled stickers on your face. <laughs> you wear wigs sometimes in your videos. You still have this flamboyancy to you like some people might argue like bro that's not the new creation you know like how how do you reconcile those aspects because obviously i imagine that would be a part of it is like you you had mentioned having these qualities from a pretty young age like it's not like you had some gay friend who modeled this for you and you just tried to be like them and you adopted it like this was this was kind of inborn not inborn but you know what i mean like it was there at an early age what would you say to somebody who maybe had that rebuttal yeah i mean i definitely am a new creation like there's things about me that have been completely changed and then there's that process of sanctification that is like there's still a little bit of old sam it's not like like in my soul i'm completely regenerated it's brand new born again right like the whole deal 
but I'm still in this flesh. There are still parts of old Sam, old habits, like old things that need to be sanctified and uh, strongholds that need to be broken. Um, as far as being creative with the way that I do my ministry, um, it's a ministry. So it's like, it, I, like I, I always tell people like, you're not gonna see me walking around like with like wigs and like all this type of stuff. Like the stuff that I do online is very different than like the kind of person that I am in my secret place. And only the mm. Lord can see my heart. And so if someone wants to judge from the outward appearances, they don't understand the mission maybe that I'm on and, and what I'm trying to do and how I incorporate my creativity into God's kingdom. And that's why I, I, I don't want to say I hate, but I strongly dislike tradition and religion because it like tells yeah. it just tells people that, oh, you have to look a certain way. You have to behave a certain way. You have to do certain things that are not even spirit led. It's just things that other people have done before in the past. And I want to break all those things because that's what's caused hurt in the church. That's what's caused division in the church. And and that's why we have an entire society of people who don't want anything to know about God and don't want don't want to know about God at all um, because of those traditions and, and that religion. And so all of the outward of what I do in my ministry or even in my personal walk and things that I have, um, it's still a new creation because it starts from who I really am inside. And who I really am inside has been born again. It's it's like the Samuel that God created and formed. And that's my soul. And that's what's going to go to heaven. Like this physical flesh, these bodies, the wigs, the stickers, the hair, the eyes that you see, that's not going to heaven. So like my soul and where I am and my position in Christ, all those things, they're in heaven. And that's the reality of the truth. And that's who I am. You may see yeah. this, but this is not Sam. And so yeah. um, the real Sam is on the inside and reigning and ruling with Christ. And only only the Lord knows that Sam and knows that heart. <laughs> that makes sense, man. That makes sense. That's really good. What or how do you explain having SSA from a young age? Because I think there's lots of different opinions. And obviously, it depends a little bit on your theology and how much you've delved into research, obviously, because this whole demographic is being researched much more extensively now that, you know, it's better understood and people are a little bit more comfortable coming out about it. Um, what, what do you attribute to it? Do you think you were you were born that way or I, I don't know? I'm just curious. How, how would you explain that? I don't think anyone is born with any type of sexuality, like even heterosexuals. Like we are children, right? Like children don't have sexuality in that way. Children are innocent. Um, if you've ever studied um, under anyone, I think it's like, um, they, they have a name for this, like a class is like, I think like a puberty and all the stages of life. Like they will tell you like sexuality develops like when you're around like five through like eight or something like that. Like it, it's, it's like seeds being planted in your mind. And then there's like a, a, a stronghold in the mind that forms like around puberty. And once that's formed, hmm. like there's no moving away from that so a lot of sexuality develops in our puberty um and i'm doing a really bad job of explaining this <laughs> but you can ask the doctor like they know about this like children doctors and stuff um and once that sexuality like stronghold has been formed that's like your sexuality basically um and okay. that there's environmental causes there's relational causes before the sexuality so um all those things, like I would say that my relationship with my dad had an input with my sexuality. 
Um, like, was he around? Was he not around? Um, my relationships with other men had that. Like, um, my relationships with women. Like, women were very familiar to me. And so when it came around to puberty, guess what happened? I wanted the unfamiliar, not the familiar. And the unfamiliar was the men. And most times with other men, like heterosexual men, the unfamiliar is the woman. They don't know what's going on down there. They don't know what about them and stuff like that. It was completely different for me. So once that f that's formed, it's really hard to get that unformed because it's just like part of our like psycho psychology and biology. But I'm doing like a hard job of explaining. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's, it's really useful. So I, I, I hear what you're saying. I think that there's, there's different factors that maybe play into this, but then it, it's not that you're necessarily born with it, right? It's those factors that, that maybe influence you and will guide you in that direction. Yeah. And I think it's, it's also interesting because we have, you know, heterosexual guys in our program who have father wounds as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like, but we, we all respond different, differently to yes. wounds of the past and our environment and everything else. And I think yes. the way you've explained that in your story makes a lot of sense, yeah. which kind of leads me into a question I want to ask. And I, I think this is kind of the direction I want to land in, which is what is it like today? Like, do you still have same sex attraction and what does it look like to manage that? Because I think what you're saying is true. If people can, if people fall into those paradigms or that that identification at a young age, I think it becomes much harder to, to even just even just to get to it because it's so fundamental, right? It becomes yes. really paramount to our sense of self and identity and everything else. Uh, how are you managing that today? You know, four years since being born again. Well, one thing I, I feel like I didn't say was that, um, like having same-sex attraction is not a choice like you you can't choose it so i think that's why a lot of people say oh if you're um like I'm, I'm born this way i'm born gay i think maybe what they're trying to say is that i had no choice in the fact that like i have same-sex attraction and that is true mm -hmm. like we don't get to choose our sexuality it just happens through those many different environmental like causes and relationships um and so I didn't choose this like it just kind of happened to me and all I have to do now is all I can do is now make the choices as a responsible adult to like choose things that I actually want like now I do have a choice of like what is it I'm going to do with my actions not so much my mentalities and so right. um, my same-sex attraction like I don't even like saying my same-sex attraction the same-sex attraction that just so happens to happen in my flesh because um, I, I, I think words are so powerful and I have, I have like a very loose tongue. <laughs> and so <laughs> this same sex attraction that occurs in my flesh, like I have no control over that happening, but I do have control whether I choose to give into it or whether I choose not to give into it. And so I always tell people, I think what's beautiful about sort of my testimony, what God has done in my life is that he didn't just free me. He didn't just like set me free in the flesh. He did in the spirit, um, but in the flesh, I'm still living here. I'm still here. Um, I'm experiencing that same-sex attraction every single day. Um, and I have to make a conscious choice every day to choose against it. And it's a lot of work, but hey, like anything that's worth like doing is going to be a lot of work, you know? Or else yeah. like everything would just be easy. And like, no, I don't know. Like to me, it's worth it. And it's an everyday struggle. And that's what I read about in God's word. It's like, you know, you take up your cross every day. Like you deny yourself every day. Like Paul's talking about encouraging your brothers and your sisters every day. Like every, it's, it's not, oh, I've been away from this for 40 years. or I've been doing this for five or I've been, you know, this. No, it's, it's every day is that choice every day so mm -hmm. to me it's like you wake up god's mercies on you every day yes he forgives and he loves and he has mercy and he extends all those things for us to be able to change 
but it's it's that process of just okay i'm gonna pick up my cross today and i'm gonna say no to if i get a text message from a cute guy or i'm gonna say no to uh the pornography or i'm gonna say no to escaping and um and reshaping and reforming my mind because transformation can actually occur like it can happen supernaturally i do believe that transformation like god can 100 percent remove same-sex attraction if he wants to do that supernaturally i found it that yeah. times that he does do that it doesn't really produce all that much fruit like people usually never talk about it and they hide and they like will never bring it up again because they're like shamed about that time of their life um yeah. and so maybe that's why he doesn't do it <laughs> um because <laughs> he wants us to actually like put in the work and um and in having like that same attra- same sex attraction i've actually grown deeper and more rooted in christ than if i didn't have it because life would be a lot easier mm. and we only need god like really like in the times of our lives where it's like hard um no one ever goes to god when like life is good and life is great i mean <laughs> unless they're very mature christian um and so yeah, <clears throat> yeah that i still struggle with that today and it's an everyday choice for me and it's not torturous it's not like oh my god the end of the world like i am very fulfilled with my relationships that i formed in my church communities and my discipleship um and i don't i feel like my life is way better than anything that i could have had even when i was in that lifestyle so people are like oh my life would be horrible if i had to do that if i had to deny myself i'm like no life is great like i have a successful online ministry like that's just what god wanted to do in my life he could do something different for you you know um i have so many friends i've had like wounds that have been healed like i can have relationships with people without shutting them out and you know without having lustful thoughts and just so much has changed and um life is great even with all that struggle that is amazing wow uh you you said something earlier which kind of triggered this thought that I've shared before and I I guess I kind of want to test it now with somebody who is just a little bit well versed in the experience of same-sex attraction but I think with the rise of the LGBTQ community and their voice becoming a lot louder and obviously people being more aware of it but as well like they I would say that community has their agendas that are you know infiltrating policy and all kinds of things within our society there's i guess this debate about like identity and orientation because i've i'm personally of the opinion that like as a heterosexual man that's not really something i tattoo as my identity i'm not like i'm a heterosexual man and my sexuality is everywhere for people to see but i think sometimes in those communities it does feel like it's a it's that's a, a strong part of their sense of self and their identities in their sexual orientation but again, like I'm a little bit ignorant because I don't know what it's like to be in that community. And I'm very aware of that shortcoming or that blind spot. But do you agree with that statement? Like, is there is there a separation between identity and orientation when you're coming from that place where you've grown up with same-sex attraction from a young age? I think their identity is in that sexual orientation. And I think it has to be that way because I think now we live in a world where it's socially acceptable somewhat um but we used to live in a world where people would be killed for having same-sex attraction and to some extent i think it's a good thing that everything has happened with the lgbtq movement and agenda um like a lot of people would be like how could you say that that's not good like you know as a christian but i'm like actually i do think it's good because like now people can actually talk about what they're going through and receive help as opposed to before um, people could not talk about it and there was no help and and people wanted it to stay that way 
<laughs> like you you wanted it to stay that way where like people would get killed like over that yeah. like I, like what kind of like 1800 mindset you got you know like i much rather there be people who flamboyantly live their lives never wanting and you know like putting their evil out there than to like hide and conceal their evil um for other people you know i i, I think things are always better outspoken and done out outwardly than it is to yeah. to just hide those things because good can come from exposing things to the light and um yes. and so i think like all their movement and everything that they're doing i think is fantastic um of of identifying themselves in that way however there are places where i have to put my foot down where it gets too far like now you are just abusing um it has nothing to do with your own safety you're just going over like how far can we push this agenda um, mm-hmm. And that's where I'm like, okay, now it has nothing to do with safety. It has nothing to do with um, acceptance. You're just, you're actually taking the rights from someone else. And that's where I would put huh. my foot down. Um, can because, you give an example? Or can you just kind of clarify what you mean by that? Because I, yeah. I think that's really good. But um, just get, give some clarity there. Yeah, like for example, conversion therapy is something that I'm going to start talking a lot about. And I have to okay. do my research and obviously want to be really well educated. But ministries like mine would not be allowed in canada and they would not be allowed in australia already so i would go to jail if i had a ministry like this in those like countries i would be in jail right Right. now (laughs) so that's (laughs) people who have taken that agenda and like uh put it forward to the max and it's like it's almost like any anything in, 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 in its extreme is wrong and that's i would say would be an extreme agenda like if you look up conversion therapy in the i think aa something uh, organization for gays and lesbians they define and put the definition of conversion therapy as anything that would slew you to a traditional sexual like ethic like it anything anything right. like anything is c- considered conversion therapy like ministries like mine would be con- conversion therapy i'm like i'm not converting anyone like I, besides to christ like that's the only thing i'm doing they would they would consider that conversion therapy and it's like no no, right. no conversion therapy is when you go to a psychologist and like they purposely are trying to change your sexual orientation through uh nothing that is spiritual or uh, like it's all psychological that's conversion therapy you can't just change the definition of something to make it like what you want it to be. like that's not how the english like dictionary works <laughs> you can just change yeah. words and so right that's the problem that i have it's like at that point it's like i don't understand i don't know why you're doing that um it, okay. it's, it's it's wrong because you know like now you're infringing on people's rights and and like i wouldn't i now i don't have a voice because you decided that that was right yeah okay that's really helpful very helpful clarification so my experience around the, the subject of homosexuality and stuff growing up in church is I, I would say I've, I've seen two pretty strong extremes. So one is the, the more Bible-based, like it says it in the book, therefore it's a sin. And often it's undergirded by, I would say, a lot of homophobia, if we're being honest. Yes. And I've seen the other side of it, which is like, I'm gay, God loves me anyway, I can do whatever I want. And, you know, this is the Holy Spirit told me it's okay. Like, it's this, um, I would say it's, it's a hyper charismatic justification and probably hype, really it's hyper grace as well. And um, what I've really appreciated about what I've seen of your content is you seem to have a nice 
middle ground where there is an understanding of the scriptures, biblical interpretation and proper exegesis. But also, I know that you come from a more charismatic stream with a value for hearing God's voice and following those convictions. And obviously, as you've, as you've admitted, like you're still working through that same-sex attraction as well uh, along this journey. I, how do you, have you amalgamated those two kind of streams and what, where do you land with all of that? Um, I love being balanced. Uh, like, I grew up balanced too, you know, with my mom being Pentecostal, I mean, my mom being Baptist, my dad being Pentecostal. Um, right. I was able to see the good and the bad in both of those things. And, and I wanted to, if I was going to do this whole Christianity thing and find Jesus, and I wanted to make sure that like, I saw both of those perspectives and find a really great balance. So just like you said, like, to me, it's very important that we are not 100% willy nilly with the spirit and just like, um, coming up with things and prophesying things that are not in alignment with God's word. And, and in order for me to even know God's word, I would have to study and use the resources that I have as an American. You know, like I can go to a college and I, I've had the money to, uh, to be able, I grew up in a, a family that we're not well off, but we're like, I guess, middle class. Um, I have resources to go to college. Some people don't have college. And so I've made it my mission to go there, learn and um, still hold to the spirit of God, still hold to prophecy and tongues and, you know, all these things um, and, and know that God is a supernatural God. But at the same time, like use my brain and use the things that God has actually given to us, like proper exegesis and, you know, all those things. And so I, I, that's been a big mission of mine is like if I have an opportunity, I want to make sure that others can have that opportunity through me. And so I'm like, okay, like you might not be able to afford college. You might not be able to afford to study God's word like that. But now I come along and I teach you what I've learned through my experiences in those things. And, you know, I had a pastor once and he said like, um, like eat the entire thing, but like throw away the bones and just keep the meat. And that's kind of how it is. Right. Like, it's like you go into those charismatic social circles like i love uh international house of prayer i love upper room i love those charismatic like bethel and all those things um sort of <laughs> like the last one but um but it's like you know just keep the meat throw away the bones because they're not perfect and you're going to see things there that you're not going to like and things that they do that is like i don't know if i agree with this so same thing with the baptists i love how they are so um like i go to john piper all the time when i need to hear some great theology and someone who's really put work into studying not just from one source but from multiple sources and and finding those things out and so i think just balance is great especially when it comes to division i hate division yeah like and i'm very aware of division because that's been my whole life so maybe people are not aware of that division but i am and i'm like i don't want that to happen in my christian journey and i don't want that to i don't want to promote that in my christian journey so that's good. It's really good. We were talking before we hit record about uh, House of Prayer and sort of that movement and how passionate we are about it. And obviously, it's a big part of your life these days. And I really look up to IHOP, you know, I think as they're some of the pioneers, certainly, of Houses of Prayer and making it a bit more global. One of the main worship leaders out of there is a guy named Jay Thomas. Mm -hmm. And his story is that he also like grew up with same-sex attraction. Uh, I don't know about being involved in a gay lifestyle. I'm not sure about the extent of it. But he is married now, he has kids, and when he shared about it, he talked as well about like, same-sex attraction does not really rule me anymore, 
but I'm very aware that I'm one step away from it, mm. you know, and that I have to be kind of guarded about it. Yeah. And I'm just curious for you, like, do you have hope that you'll get married one day? Because I have guys who have same-sex attraction and they've just resolved like, thanks God, like, I guess I'll just be single because I don't want to sin and live in a homosexual lifestyle. But like, I can't, how could I possibly get married when I have this going on? What, what do you make of all that? Where, where have you landed in your own life? Well, I definitely believe <laughs> that um, one day I will find someone to spend my life with. And I'm hopeful of cool. that. And if that doesn't happen, that's okay with me too. Like, I'm very fulfilled right now. So I don't see how, like, I, I'm like, I could do another like six years of this. So it won't be that bad. Like, because I have amazing wow. friends and, and leaders. And, and when we do Christianity correctly, like, you don't feel that hole that a lot of people are feeling. But the problem is that I don't think in Western, like American Christianity, we're really doing Christianity the way that Jesus actually asked us to do it, where we sell everything and we give our lives and, you know, we create disciples and we create families and we create close ties. Like, I think that will happen when persecution comes to America, which I rarely ever talk about. People just, I just end up talking about like gay things, like, but people don't understand like how deep I've gone with this, like the underground churches, like all the persecution that's about to happen in America, like the church is going to radically change. Like we are all going to have to radically change to keep up with what we know to be Christianity. And that's going to change in itself in a good way. Uh, when we do that correctly, like there shouldn't be any types of feeling of like, I feel like I'm alone. I feel like I'm lonely. Like when I'm lonely, I know I can pick up my phone. I can call um, my disciple or, or my mentor, you know, like uh, the people who I'm doing real life with, the people who I meet with e almost every day. Like I talk to them every day. Like where would I have time to be lonely? And if I need a hug, I can always get it. To, I, I can always get it from them. And a lot of people would be like, well, that's not enough. Like, I need like sex or I need this. And yeah, you know, it's true. Like some of us, we do need that. And God can certainly provide for that. Like, I do believe that when my wife comes along, she's going to be perfect for me. She's going to know my story. It's not going to bother her. She's going to be able to help me with those types of things. Like I've met a lot of girls actually in my Christian walk who are like, you're so handsome. I would love to marry you. And I have to kind of like push them away. I'm like, I'm not interested right now because <laughs> I, I have like one goal. And women are very attracted to that. They're attracted to godly men. And so even with me, my femininity, my crazy hairstyles and all these things that I do and my ministry and how outspoken I am, they're still very much attracted to me because I'm a godly man. They can see the spirit of God inside of me. And um, so I don't have a lot to Can I just pause you for a sec? Yeah. Sorry, can I, can I just add? So <laughs> I can totally see that because like you're a charismatic dude, super fun to be around. And I, I agree. Like I think godliness is very attractive. Are you attracted to them? I... I think to some extent, like the Lord has worked on my heart a lot. Like there is a girl that I recently became friends with and I never thought that I could ever see myself like in a marriage in that way. Like I always thought I was going to have to work really hard, but I ended up really, really enjoying spending time with her. And yeah, I, cool. I really liked her like a lot. And I was like, okay, I don't think this is going to be as hard as I thought it was going to be. And that wow, kind of like, amazing. yeah, that got me excited. Like I like can like, just tear up a little bit because i'm like wow you know like god is so great and god is so good um unfortunately that girl was not the girl for me so that's good <laughs> sure um, that's okay yeah yeah but um but yeah i've seen how the lord has like he's really changed me and that's what tears like tears me up i'm like man like whoa you know um but it is a process of of that because like you would have asked me that question two years ago and i would be like oh, i don't know i think i'm gonna be single forever you know um but now yeah. i see like god god is 
who he says he is. He is the supernatural, transformational, amazing God that is good in, in all aspects. And so, yes, I do believe, in answer to your question, I do believe, like, <laughs> you don't have to live single forever. God can 100% change you or not change you, and you can be provided by the Christian community, um, or you can find someone that is going to totally and wholeheartedly accept you if you're true and if you're honest and if you're led by the Spirit of God yourself. Yeah, it's really well said. You mentioned that you are passionate about discipling people, and I know that you're running the House of Prayer in Miami, like you're, you're in a leadership position, and guys come to me and are like, Sathya, I, I don't feel comfortable being a leader in any way, shape, or form in a ministry setting because I'm struggling with porn. I don't want to be found out for starters, but I also feel like a hypocrite knowing I have this thing behind closed doors and I'm still working it out. How do you reconcile that being in leadership but obviously still having same-sex attraction and like you said going through that process of sanctification what gives you the confidence to lead oh i think the confidence comes from god i still struggle <laughs> with pornography i still struggle with same-sex attraction like i'm on my journey like everybody's on their journey and i think what we've taught um which by the way they don't teach in the underground church um we've taught in american christianity that if you slip up you get demoted or you get um, like taken off of leadership and things like that, and um, I don't, I don't, I, I've, I don't really know how that all that works, but I don't think it works like that in the kingdom. Like it says, His mercies are new every day, and I don't think that God like like uses revenge to us. Like when we wake up the next morning, and says, "Oh, you weren't good yesterday. Guess who's gonna be in a car accident today?" Like that's not how He works. He doesn't demote us, and so every day when I like, I think it would actually do more damage um, to the kingdom of darkness for me to continue to pick myself up every single morning and to continue to move on forward, to continue to have my meetings, to continue to lead people, to continue to love people, than it is to yeah. stop and just say, I need to leave. And I'm not doing this anymore, you know? Um, and I think that's a personal decision because sometimes you do need to leave. Like, sometimes you do need to have, like, like, what's causing that is the ministry and, and the stresses of all that life. But if you know that the ministry is not causing that and, and, and all those, all those things like that, um, then I said, yes, of course you, of course you can lead. And that's something that the underground church in Iran and in Israel and Afghanistan, they've got it down packed because they don't look at you from your reputation of your physicality. They look at you from your reputation of your spirituality. And in the mm. spirit, we are perfect and we are set apart and we are holy. So you can't tell me I'm not holy, I'm not set apart and I'm not perfect in the spirit. And they continue to make disciples whether they're one month old Christians or whether they're 50 year old Christians. And that's how we have to be. We can't keep telling people that they're not worthy. They will never be worthy in this physical world. They already yeah. are worthy and they can 100% lead. And that's what I tend to do even for myself that if I fall, and I, I had a falling just this week with pornography, and that's hard. I'm trying to find like resources. Like that's why I love you. I love your ministry. Like um, I really want to pick up a copy of your book and stuff. <laughs> so like I want to read oh, it thanks, and like and apply it to my life. But another great book that was really helpful for me was Joyce Meyer, like uh, Inner Healing. Like these things, they don't just happen overnight. They're a process mm -hmm. of sanctification and they're a process of accountability. And um, all I have to do is just like I have to pick myself up when it happens, and I have to continue to move forward. Like. The strongest people in life are the people who they don't give up. 
they continue to keep going despite all odds. And so if in your life right now you feel like I'm against all the odds, like even I'm fighting against myself, doesn't matter. Pick yourself up. Keep going. Keep doing what you're doing until the Lord stops you. And then that's on him. That's not on you. And so I know what the Lord has called me to. I know the good that I'm doing. I know the impacts that I'm making on people. Um, and, and I continue to do that. Like, if not, I don't think any of us would ever do anything because <laughs> we're so yeah. imperfect. Like, we, we would just never do anything. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, I mean, I think we all, we all know that, like, it's by God's grace we're able to do the things that we're doing. Amen. And, and you are reaching a lot of people, Samuel. Like, you're... Your YouTube channel is awesome. I think you you recorded like a little 30-minute video in your car just sharing your testimony and like the thing blew up. It's got like 350,000 views. Like I think people need to hear what you're doing and um, it's really refreshing. You're very honest and transparent. I really appreciate that. As we kind of wrap, I, I still have like another 25 questions I could ask you, but I feel like <laughs> I got to kind of land this plane at least a little bit. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you can speak to the, probably the two different groups that are primary, primarily listening. The first being people who are dealing with same-sex attraction and are like, hey, Samuel, bro, so glad things worked out for you, but you don't know what I've been through or you don't know like the kind of backlash I'm going to get from my community if I were to ever come out or, you know, like you have the personality, bro, you got the persona and you got the platform and stuff, but like I got nothing. Like I'm just, I'm, I don't think my story could really turn out as great as yours has up until this point. How, what would you say to somebody who maybe just is looking for a starting point to to wrestle with their SSA or with SSA, pardon me, while also wanting to really faithfully serve God? I would just say, you know, the Lord considers you worthy. And that was huge in my life. That's I, you know, Joyce Meyer, she gets a lot of backlash, but I really... <laughs> I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for Joyce Meyer. I used to listen to her preachings like every day when I first started my Christian journey. Obviously, I've matured a little oh. bit since then. I listen to more stuff and more different perspectives. Um, but there's something that's really stuck with a lot of what she has said, which is true, which a lot of people say, they just say it in different ways, is that like you are made worthy and you're made holy because of Jesus. And so hmm. when you have that confidence from God, like you can do anything. And I think that's what inspired me is seeing like uh, Joyce's life and everything that she had to overcome and seeing that she's just like a regular like 50 year old woman. Like <laughs> there's like nothing all that special about her. She's like not special at all. And I'm not special at all. And maybe you're not that special. Like I'm I before Christ, like you guys should see me. I was a failed actor a failed personal trainer, like my business went down. Um, I failed in everything in my life. Like I was not talented, I guess, or skilled. Um, and now the Lord through me has been able to do incredible things. I play the piano. I'm a musician. I'm a photographer, videographer. I know how to work live streamings. I know how to do sound engineering. Like I know how to speak in interviews. Like there, I know how to build a brand and marketing and do TikToks. And I can never do that before. And it was because of God, like, working in me. And so if God is something, like, I, I love what it says um, in Romans. It says that, like, he has prepared you for the good works. Like, he's predestined you for the good works that you, like, will for do. And something around yeah. that terms. And if God wants to do something in your life, he's just going to get it done. You don't have to worry about if you're good enough, if you're skillful enough. All you just have to do is trust in him and, and move when he asks you to move. And that's it. Like... I take, I take my journey one day at a time because if I 
as I've mentioned in this video, uh, if I decided to um, like look at, oh, what is it gonna be like in five years? Like, am I gonna slip up in 10 years? Or am I gonna go back in the lifestyle in 20 years? You know, like if I had all these fears and stuff, then I'm not letting, I'm not being present today in what matters today. And like Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said like, don't worry about the troubles that tomorrow will bring because they're gonna bring like more troubles. You know, just worry about where you are today, be present today and like, and you're, you're yeah. good right now. You know, like I'm pretty sure that you're listening. You're like, yeah, my life's not that bad. And even if it is that bad, like he can still have an opportunity to change it. And so I think anyone can do what I'm doing. I wish more people would do what I'm doing. That's why I like start discipleships and I, I do my communities and I'm trying to teach people, hey, you're worthy enough to do even greater things than like what you see me do. Like I would love to see my disciples, my 12 disciples do even greater things. And, and I believe that that's possible. Um, if people were just to believe that the Lord is working in them and believe in themselves through God, the way that God believes in them. That's amazing, man. The other group of people you're talking to are maybe not struggling with SSA themselves, but they're ministry leaders who don't even know how to handle this subject. Uh, they're maybe they're people who have friends that struggle with SSA, you know, and are, and are wrestling. What what kind of advice would you give to people in that other camp who who want to be useful but don't have their own experience that they can kind of bring into the situation and maybe don't really still have much of an understanding? Maybe this is the first time they've even heard somebody share about it this openly. What what would you recommend to them if they wanted to give become a bit more well versed and be a good support to people? who maybe need a little bit of guidance in this area? I think we need to learn how to love, like really love our neighbors. And um, it's not about proving your point. It's not about changing minds. It's about serving and being a servant leader. Mm. Like I believe that Jesus changed the world because he served others. He didn't serve himself. And in the same way, you can also change the world by serving other people and really giving your full heart and attention. I think one of the, the greatest things that I hear from people is that they just, especially people who struggle with SSA in the church, they don't feel like people care. They don't feel valued and they don't feel like worthy. And so if you can make someone feel like you care and, and actually care, not just like make them feel that <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and instruct value into them, I think you would do a lot of change, a lot of really positive change uh, for for many individuals. And so I think we need to learn how to truly love and truly serve the way that Jesus taught us to. And um, everything else will come from there. And I think a great guideline is exactly what is said in Galatians with the fruits of the spirit, which is like long suffering, kindness, you know, mercy, all these things. Like, are you practicing those things in your relationships with people? And are you having real relationships? Because I hate like fake Christianity and I hate fake friendships. And I think we have a problem with that in the church. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and I'm just calling it out, not because I don't like the church, but because I love the church. And I want to see it improved. Um, it's like, don't do fake relationships. Don't just like be in someone's life because you want something from them or they're useful to you in a moment or you have an obligation to them. No, like treat them the way that you would treat Jesus. Like it says in Revelation, like whoever you gave, into uh, like a cup of water in my name like you you've done it to me so every relationship that you go into think of it like this is me responding to um this is this is me responding to um to jesus like i'm, I'm influencing who would be maybe jesus you know 
Um, yeah. And so I like to look at it like that. I think that's what we have to learn as Christians more. It's like, how can I love people instead of trying to prove my point? Um, yeah. Yeah. That's good, man. That's really good. Okay, Samuel, this has been amazing, man. Thank you for just giving me your time. Thanks for all you're doing. I think your story needs to be heard. I'm really praying that God continues to enlarge in your platform as well so that you can help more people. I know, I absolutely know that I know that I know people are going to want to connect with you, find out more about what you're up to. What's the best way for them to do that? Um, the best way is definitely have my website, SamuelAbrahamPerez.com. You can find all my socials on there. I have um, TikTok, Instagram. I'm very active on Instagram and TikTok. Not so much Facebook. I'm not a Facebook guy, but I'm okay. on there too. I have a Facebook page. And um, on my YouTube channel, I post a lot on my YouTube channel. Every week we do Bible studies, live Bible studies um, on Wednesday nights. Um, and I also, if you want to talk to me personally or find a community or even find a support group, um, I have a Discord where I do support calls for men who struggle with same-sex attraction every every week. Um, it's great. There's specific chats dedicated to that. It can be anonymous if you want to be anonymous. Um, and so you can download Discord and then join my Discord. And cool. that should be on my link tree on my Instagram. Like You'll find it if you go to my Instagram and, and my website. Okay, that's amazing, man. We'll put both of those in the show notes. Samuel, thanks so much, bro. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right, well, I told you, this was a heck of an interview. I've never had anything like this before uh, on the podcast and really in any of the other places where I've interviewed, as I mentioned. And I just love his transparency. To me, that was the thing that was really remarkable was he's just very open and probably for some of you a little bit uncomfortably open, like, oh my gosh, is he really talking about that? publicly but i think it's exactly what's necessary and i i know it's uncomfortable but i'm really glad he's out there i'm glad he's doing his thing guys i want to just encourage you if you feel like you were i don't know like you learned or you were stretched or you got some kind of value from this interview go to his website and leave a donation this guy relies solely on donations and you can see that his heart is sincere that he wants to grow what he's doing and I think if you um, if you believe in just sowing into uh, you know people's testimonies and the work that they're doing, even for someone like like him who is obviously like he said he's still working through same sex attraction, he still struggles with pornography, he's not a perfect person, but you can uh, hopefully you see what I see, which is that his story is going to help a lot of people probably find Jesus despite their same-sex attraction. That's kind of what I see happening. So I encourage you, go give a donation. I think it is, uh, it is good soil to sow into. And uh, I encourage you to follow him on, on Instagram, follow him on all his socials. And if you struggle with SSA yourself, he mentioned that Discord server. So there's a chance for you to go and get a little bit of counsel. And at the very least, probably talk to somebody else who gets it. And I think there's a lot of value there. So I highly, highly recommend it. But I want to thank you guys for listening. And I'd love your feedback, you know, because I, I don't know, maybe you heard something in here that upset you or something that you're like, well, Sophia, I don't know about this. I have a couple questions. Hey, write them in. If I can't answer them myself, I will, I don't know, I'll send them to Samuel or I'll send them to somebody who can answer them. We want you guys to get your answers here. So, um, Anything I can do to help you, I will. I know this is a very charged subject and I did my best to, to handle the interview in a, a really, I don't know, a, a, an appropriate way. And, um, and I know I probably didn't do a perfect job. So I'm always welcoming your feedback. But anyways, guys, super long-winded way of saying thanks for listening. I love and appreciate each and every single one of you. And I hope you have an amazing day. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. 
Hey everybody, it's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.